Hey, good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, man, feels like just yesterday or last week it was Thanksgiving. The week before that is Halloween. Where did the time go? It's crazy. Of course, as I mentioned for us adults, the time seems to go by more quickly. But for kids, it's like, oh, it's been years, years that we've been waiting for Christmas. And it's finally at our doorstep just tomorrow morning. Some of your parents might give in and let you open some presents tonight. We are not those parents. Sorry, boys. <laughs> hey, but since we aren't dismissing the kids today, um, and, and I love kids, and I wanted to do something for you guys just a little bit today. So if I could have every kid in elementary down into preschool we're going to have a little story time. So come on up. If you're elementary or preschool age, come on up. We're going to have a little story time today. Just want to sit on the bench or on the floor here. Come on. Man, y'all are looking good this morning. It's like your parents made you dress up or something. Oh, you picked out your own clothes. That's great. I did too. Uh, Which, thank you for the compliments on the tie. You get it like once a year. Sorry. And I'll be short today so I can get this thing off. Anyway, hey, how are you kids doing? Are you excited about tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. What is something that you all probably have in your house right now that's different than normal? Presents, that's one. That's a good one. Elf? You do Elf on the Shelf? I'm sorry. (laughs) That's awesome. A tree. I heard a tree, right? You got a tree. Um, Hopefully you all have your trees up. You got them decorated, right? There's one right behind you there. I love the Christmas trees that we get this this time of year. Um, We're a real tree family. Real tree, fake tree, doesn't matter. It's awesome. And uh, (laughs) yeah, you can't fit any more ornaments on it. That's awesome. So I want to read you a little story about trees this morning. You're like, trees? Are you kidding me? Yes. It's called The Tale of Three Trees, okay? The Tale of Three Trees. Long ago on a hillside stood three trees. In the spring, their roots drank in the cool raindrops that trickled through the soil. See the different seasons that these trees have to go through. In the summer, they unfolded their leaves to the sun. In the autumn, strong winds tousled their branches. And in the winter, they rested under the sparkling snow. Under the cold night sky that glittered with the stars, they dreamed their dreams. Do you think trees can dream? Well, these trees can dream. Mine, said the first tree, my dream is of riches. I want to be made into a beautiful chest that will hold the finest treasure. First tree wants to be made into a treasure box. That's pretty cool. Mine, said the second, is of power. I want to be made into a proud ship in which a mighty king will travel around his domain A ship that sails with the king. That's pretty cool. The third tree sighed in the breeze. I want to stay, it said quietly, 
here on the hillside, pointing to heaven. Many years went by, and the trees grew tall and strong. One day, three woodcutters climbed the hill, each with an axe in his hand. Uh Uh-oh. I'm ready for riches, said the first tree as it fell. I bow to the king, said the second. But the third tree shed its fragile leaves like tears. Well, now my dream is over, it wept as it fell to the ground. That's sad. If they're chopping down a tree, you ever chop down a tree? You ever cut down a tree to put in your house for Christmas? Ripped down a small tree. Okay, that's different, though. I'll talk about that later. Uh, (laughs) So a carpenter took the wood from the first tree, sawed it into planks, and then joined the planks together. It was a box that he made, and he made it well, but it was not a chest. What does that look like? It was a sturdy trough. See that? It's a sturdy trough. An innkeeper came and carted it away. Every evening he filled it with hay for the weary creatures that his guests brought to the stable. He wanted to be a treasure box, but he's just a feeding trough for animals. Such a humble life, sighed the tree. Such a poor and dismal place. Look at that. Yep, that's what he ended up as. One night, an innkeeper led the animals aside, and a man and a woman took shelter in the stable. Gentle hands put fresh, clean straw in the trough, and then a newborn baby was laid upon it. Suddenly, the first tree knew that it was holding the greatest treasure the world had ever known. It ultimately did get its dream to hold a great treasure. A shipwright took the wood from the second tree. He sawed it and shaped it and smoothed it and sealed it. Fishermen came and trundled it away. Each evening, they slid into the violet blue waters of the lake and sailed off into the night and cast their nets, later to haul them aboard uh, full of slithering fish. Such a weary life, said the tree, and among such ordinary people. It became just a regular little fishing boat. Look, they're catching all the fish. Do you guys like the fish? Some of you, yeah. One night, storm winds blew and great waves crashed. Then a man stood upon the boat and spoke to the storm, peace, be still. And there was a calm And the second tree knew that it was carrying the mightiest king the world had ever known. Are you putting it together? Who was the little baby in the feeding trough? And who was the guy in the boat? Jesus. There he is, calming the storm. What about the third tree? Well, the wood from the third tree was roughly hewn and left in the woodyard, almost forgotten. Then one day came a clamor of voices. Any wood will do, but fetch it quickly. Rough hands grasped the wood and hastily made a cross. 
cruel hands forced a man onto it and nailed him there by his hands and feet. Soldiers hoisted the cross upright. There on a low, barren hilltop, the man died. Who was that man? Jesus. There he is, hanging on that third tree. The tree that became the cross was left empty. As the sun sank low, it felt despair deeper than it had ever known. Though the sun rose and set again, every hour felt like darkness. Then came a bright dawn. By a miracle, the man who had died was seen alive again. The tree that had borne his death was now a symbol of his life. And the third tree knew that it would stand forever, pointing to heaven. Right? So every time we see a feeding trough and animals eating out of a feeding trough, we can think of Jesus. Every time we see a boat out on the water, we can think of Jesus. And every time we see a cross, we can think of Jesus. And it all started with the tree. So when you go back home and you see your tree in your living room or wherever it is, you can think of who? Jesus. All right. Thank you, kids. Y'all were awesome. Hey, let's give them a round of applause. They were so good up here. All right, you can go back to mom and dad. Enjoy those candy canes. Wow, a rock, yeah, cool. <laughs> I really like that story because it's all about expectations. Hopes and dreams that we all have. Maybe you as adults now can think back to what you wanted to be, you know, when you were in elementary school, what you wanted to be when you grew up. For me, my earliest memories of telling people what I wanted to be when I grew up was a cowboy, if you can believe it or not. I, I mean, for what it's worth, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and then spent my preschool into kindergarten years in Texas, so it was kind of par for the course. Cowboys were everywhere, right? Um, Wanted to be a cowboy, wore cowboy boots, had the hat, had the fake guns, the holsters, loved it. Loved horses. And then I grew up a little bit, and then I wanted to go into computers and be a computer programmer, like my older brother and my oldest sister were. And then God had other plans and called me into ministry. Sometimes what you think is going to happen, life doesn't go that way. But sometimes it can be so much better than you originally imagined. I love that story of the trees because that is a story of so many of our lives. And no matter what we end up doing with our lives, as long as we can point people to Jesus, and when they see us, they think of Jesus, mission accomplished. So this brings us into our fourth and final Christmas carol of the season that we're looking at. Nunc Dimittis by Simeon. That is the Latin phrase for now dismiss, okay? And y'all are like, ooh, early dismissal. No, hold on, hold on. But as I'm reading through this story, there's a phrase that jumps out to me. And in some Bibles, it's translated as waiting, and in some Bibles, it's translated as looking forward to. And it reminds me of another children's story 
one of my favorite children's stories. So the story we're going to look at today is about waiting and departing, and it reminds me of, oh, the places you'll go, right? Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you've had teachers write notes or something in it for your kids, and when they graduate high school, you give this to them as a gift. I've I've seen people do that. But it's one of my all-time favorite Dr. Seuss books. You know, and it's got these amazing passages like this. Uh, you'll, You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. And then it's got this one, which I love it. And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and a a half percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. It's all about what kids can be and the potential that we have when we're younger. And it reminds me of these things that were told to, for instance, Zechariah and Elizabeth about John and, and to Mary and Joseph about their baby Jesus. When all the people saw what happened with John the Baptist and his birth and everything, they, all who heard it took it to heart saying, what then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. And then about Jesus, the angel says, you'll conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. The, these Two baby boys that we see in the opening chapters of Luke are just full of unparalleled potential. We all love the potential that every new baby is born with. We can't wait to see what's going to happen with their lives. But then, again, as we get older, we come to the dreaded place in the book, the waiting place. This is my least favorite section of the book, of the places you'll go, the waiting place. Because for so much of my life, it's felt like I've been in the waiting place. The waiting place. And it's a place for people just waiting. Waiting for the train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for a Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wing, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just Waiting. I hate waiting rooms. I hate waiting in line. I hate waiting around for answers. You've probably been in those positions. You've probably spent a lot of your life in the waiting place. And today we're going to look at two people in the story of Luke chapter 2 who had been in the waiting place. But it's not just idly waiting. It's not just sitting back and twiddling your thumbs, browsing and scrolling on your phone, just waiting for time to pass. It is a different kind of waiting that these two people exemplify. It's a different type of waiting. The whole season of Advent is about waiting, but it's about waiting on the Lord. There's a difference. It's not just waiting and marking off the days of the calendar. It's waiting and expecting and longing. It's an active type. Of waiting. So, if you have your Bibles or if you're following along in your Bible apps, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. 
But first we've got to check back in with Mary and Joseph. How are they doing? Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. All right, what does that all mean? Well, it means that Mary and Joseph were doing their best. They're brand new parents, which many of us know can be absolutely terrifying. You leave the hospital for the first time, you're like, are you sure we can leave with this thing? Like, I don't even know exactly how to get the car seat in correctly. And you're, I could just take this whole new human home? What? Mary and Joseph, I'm, I'm sure, must have been a little anxious, a little stressed out, a little terrified of what's going to happen. But they're doing their best. So they take him to the temple. All right? They circumcise him on the eighth day according to the law, which uh, if you if you're just curious, you can read all about it in Leviticus chapter 12. And then there's a time of purification, which some of you are like, why would a new mother be unclean? Guess what? This is built-in maternity leave, right? <laughs> they get about 40 days built into their law of maternity leave, so to speak, where it's just mother and baby bonding, not having to take care of any other things around the house or in the community or anything like that. It's just mother and child. Forty days are up, and they go to the temple to offer the sacrifice to God. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and it's a sacrifice to dedicate your firstborn child to God. And this goes all the way back to the Exodus story. In Exodus chapter 13, the Lord spoke to Moses, Consecrate every firstborn male to me, firstborn of the womb and of domestic animals. Because it's mine. Well, why is it his? Because God passed over the people of Israel when he took the lives of the firstborn children of the Egyptians in the final plague. So I'm not going to take them, but they are dedicated to me. You dedicate them to me. And so they did. They were following the law. They, were, they circumcised them when they should have. They named them what they should have. They went to the temple when they should have and did what they should have. But did you notice what their sacrifice was? A couple of birds. Well, that was just for people who couldn't afford a lamb. The real sacrifice was supposed to be a pigeon or a turtle dove and a lamb. But if you can't afford a lamb, you can just offer two birds. And that's what they do. Luke emphasizes the fact that they didn't have the money to offer a lamb so they were trying to do the best to, to raise their son and scratch that out, God's son. I mean, imagine the pressure. You've got your own children to worry about. What if you knew for a fact that your child was God's son? You better not mess up. So they're trying their best to, to raise him according to the law, to raise him in the way they should. And then they get to the temple, and here they come carrying not a lamb, but two birds. How... Embarrassing might not be the right word, but it's the only one I could think of. You're raising God's son. You are bringing the Messiah into the world, and you can't even afford the full sacrifice. 
You don't have the money to put aside to sacrifice just a lamb. So you have to do two birds. It's as if the parents of the Messiah were on food stamps. If you've ever, we've been there, okay? If you've ever had to go into the food stamp office, the WIC office, whatever, it can be downright humiliating, degrading, embarrassing, because we want to we want to be prideful. We want to think we can provide for ourselves and we can you know, have everything. But when you realize you can't and you have to kind of swallow your pride and just do the best you can with what you have, even if it's relying on the assistance of others, that's Mary and Joseph. <laughs> they were not wealthy. They were not well off. They were not middle class. They were not upper class. They were peasants. They were the working poor of the society. And here they were trying to do their best, but their best just maybe didn't even seem good enough for the stakes of raising this child. But then something weird happens. Something strange happens. A guy, a random guy comes up and grabs their baby. <laughs> Maybe you've been there too as new parents. Like, hey, what are you doing? Don't touch my child. But this guy named Simeon comes up. Let's read about Simeon in Luke 2, verses 25 through 28. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to or waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, and then we get his song that we'll get to in just a moment. Simeon. I kind of wish we knew more about him. He seems like a really interesting man. We know that he was righteous. He was devout. He was faithfully committed to God. But more than that, God had given him special insight. Hey, I know you're waiting for the consolation of Israel, which we'll get, get to that in just a second. And I'm telling you, you're going to see it. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. He doesn't tell him when. He doesn't tell him how. He doesn't tell him what to expect when the Messiah comes. He just says, you're going to see it. Okay, I'll trust you. So imagine being Simeon, day in and day out, wondering, is this going to be the day? Is this it? Every baby you see in a mother's arms, like, could that be him? Could that be him? Is he coming? Where is he? You're constantly on the lookout. You're constantly waiting. And this is the type of waiting that Simeon was doing. He was looking forward to. It's a, it's a word that means to receive to oneself, meaning you're waiting for what you already know is coming. You've already got it. You're just kind of still waiting for it. It's yours, but not yet. It's this already but not yet idea. It's this uh, idea to welcome or to wait actively and expectantly. You are ready and willing to receive the thing which is hoped for. 
It's not just sitting back and strolling through your phone trying to pass the time. It's actively waiting, searching, believing that what's been promised is already yours. And it's coming. So you better be ready when it does. And so he was led to the temple. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. Consolation, that can also mean comfort of Israel. And in fact, it's the same word that's used as a title for the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16. Jesus, before he left his disciples, he tells them, I'm going to send the counselor, some Bibles say, or the comforter, some other Bibles say. It's the same word. So this guy who was waiting for the comfort of Israel, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to send you that comforter. But notice how many times the Holy Spirit plays a role in the life of Simeon. Well, sorry, I was jumping ahead real quick. Comfort. Isaiah 40, 1 and 2. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of Hard service is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It's over. You're suffering, you're waiting, your, your time of expectation, it's over. It's happening. So Isaiah, tell my people that hope is on the way. Hope is just on the horizon. Comfort them with these words. Time of hardship is over. This idea of comfort and consolation that he was looking forward to. Jesus says, well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And notice how it says the Holy Spirit was on Simeon. (laughs) The Holy Spirit plays such a role in these first two chapters of Luke. Let's not skim over that. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. And then the day comes and he's guided by the Spirit. Imagine being Simeon. We don't know how long he had been waiting. He was probably an old man by now. But imagine being Simeon. You've, you've had your head on a swivel ever since you've gotten that promise. You've been looking for the Messiah everywhere. Every new baby, every little boy you see running through the streets, is that him? Could that be it? Any new religious figure that rises to power, like, is that him? What am I looking for? Day after day, year after year. And then finally, the Spirit's like, today's the day. Imagine if he was just too tired that day. Imagine if he was just like, I've been waiting for so long, this better not be a joke. Can I just stay in bed? Or I'm just too busy today, I've got other stuff to do. He would have missed it. But the Spirit called him and said, this is the day. Go to the temple, you'll see him. And Simeon answered that call. And he says this. Let's look at Simeon's song. This is the final of the four songs, the original Christmas carols in Luke chapters 1 and 2. Simeon says this. As he's holding baby Jesus, the Messiah, in his arms, he looks to heaven and in front of God and everyone says this. Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and glory to your people, Israel. Now, now I can die in peace. Now your promise has been fulfilled. Now, God, you can dismiss your servant. I've served you faithfully all these years. Now I can go to the grave in peace, knowing your salvation has come. What an amazing song. So, as we've been doing, we're, we're going to hear a modern rendition of Simeon's song. Here we go.
love that song. It's awesome. The wait is done. The time has come. It's, it, the wait is over, and the new is just beginning. This isn't the end of anything. It's just the beginning. So, looking at a couple of things a little bit more in depth of what Simeon says. My eyes have seen your salvation. I believe Simeon was right at home in the prophet Isaiah. In fact, if you were unaware, the whole book of Isaiah is commonly referred to as the fifth gospel because it has so much to do with the good news of what's going to happen when God redeems his people. It has so much to say about Jesus and his ministry that is to come. And this is what Isaiah says Isaiah 52, 9 and 10, be joyful and rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. He's speaking to a people that have been conquered already. For the Lord has comforted his people. There's that word again. And he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has displayed his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. It's really happening, God. It's really happening. And then Simeon says this, you've prepared it, that is the salvation, in the presence of all the peoples, the light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. I mean, that's exactly what God says to his servant. He says, it's not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob. In other words, to restore Israel to its former national glory under kings David and Solomon. That's not enough. That's, that's too small of a picture. You still got your blinders on if that's what you think the goal is. I'm restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Simeon knew, the angels knew, everyone knew that when the Messiah came, it wouldn't be just for Israel, it would be for the entire world. Like I've said before, Christmas is for everyone. The good news of the story of Christ Jesus coming to us, born of a virgin, laid in the manger, heralded by the angels, visited by the wise men, presented in the temple, that is a story for Everyone for the entire world. And then, and then he says something weird. 
As he's finished his song, he's holding the baby, he leans into Mary and he says this to her. He says, indeed, this child is destined to be, to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be oppressed and a sword will pierce your own soul and that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There might be some people that it's not good news for. And again, Mary knew the Christmas story is good news for everyone unless you're the one in power. This Christmas story is the good news for everyone unless you're among the rich and powerful and greedy and violent because the Christmas story will be your downfall. This baby that you're holding in your arms, Mary, he's going to be oppressed. He's going to ruffle feathers. He's going to rock the boat. About 30 years later, 30 to 33 years later, this baby you're holding right now in the temple is going to come back to the temple and is going to th- throw everyone out and make a scene that's going to ultimately lead to his death. He's going to lift up the the humble, yeah, but he's going to bring down the mighty, and they're not going to like it, and they're going to think that they've got the final word, and your soul is going to be pierced too, Mary. It's going to be a hard road for you, Mary, but this is all part of God's salvation. This is all part of God's plan. Wow. Wow. There was another person there that day. There was another person there that day named Anna. Let's read her story real quick. Verses 36 through 38. There was also a prophetess named Anna. That's an interesting title. There aren't many prophetesses named in the Bible. There are several, but there aren't many. So she is among an honored few there. Anna, by the way, in Hebrew, is the same name as Hannah which we've already made that connection with Mary's song back a couple weeks ago. So there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, that's a polite way of putting it, having lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and was a widow for 84 years. And she did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to or waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here's this prophetess Anna. She had been married for a mere seven years, and then her husband died. And eight decades go by. Or it's kind of hard. Was she a widow for 84 years or was she an 84-year-old widow? You can translate it either way. But regardless, that's a long time. This is an old lady. Sorry for you old ladies in here. But, I mean, you're in good company with Anna. She's awesome. Right? We love these little old church ladies, and she was that little old church lady. She was at the temple day in and day out, praising God, fasting, leading prayers, like leading people to God in worship. Like that was her jam. She was there. She was a constant fixture in the temple for decades. And now she comes and she sees what's going on with Simeon, with Mary and Joseph and this baby, and she starts telling everybody, y'all got to come check out this baby. 
and start spreading the good news for everyone who was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Just like Anna had been waiting all those years. Just like Simeon had been waiting all those years. Just like Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting all those years for God to act, for God to move. And then God breaks into the human story, bringing his own son. And those who have eyes to see and ears to hear can recognize immediately what's happening. And they have no choice but to tell everyone about it. It's also a story of faithfulness. Let's talk about these characters for a minute as we wrap up. In this painting here, you've got Joseph over to the right-hand side. Imagine being Joseph, tasked with raising a, a son who's not your own, and not just not your own, but he's God's son, like no pressure, right? But Joseph, as far as we can tell, faithfully raised God's son as his own. People would later say about Jesus, isn't this the carpenter's son? <laughs> they knew that Joseph did his best in raising him. And then you've got Simeon, who faithfully followed the Spirit's guidance. Like I said, imagine if he had taken a day off. Imagine if he had told God, not today, I don't feel like it. He would have missed out, and we would have never known about him. And then there's Anna, off to the left, who faithfully devoted herself to God's service for decades. And is finally rewarded with seeing God's salvation there in the flesh, in this little baby. It's a story of faithfulness. Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful to God's call. Mary was faithful to the angel's announcement. The shepherds were faithful in going to see the baby that the angels had told them about. It's a story of faithfulness. It's a story of waiting on the Lord. And it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. And this is where we'll hang out for a second as we end. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. This is talking about Abraham and Sarah and their family, but it's every bit as relevant to the story today. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance. They saw this baby. They saw the beginning of God's salvation, but they wouldn't see the ultimate fulfillment. We'll get to that in a second. They saw them from a distance. They greeted these things and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All the things we do at Christmas time, I love it. All the lights we put up, the, the evergreen trees we post in our houses, all, all the, the gifts and the presents and the time with family and friends. Honestly, y'all, that's just a glimpse of life to come. That is but a shadow of the reality of life to come, where God himself will be our light, where there will be no winter, where there will be no death or dying, where the ultimate gift of eternal life will be a reality that we all possess now. It's just a glimpse. We see these things from a distance and we welcome them, just like Simeon, just like Anna. But these all died in faith which got me thinking of all the characters in Luke chapters one and two, 
Only Mary would see the kingdom of God come in power when her son rose from the grave. We don't really know what happened to Joseph. Most people think he died when Jesus was somewhat young, which wouldn't be uncommon. He's out of the picture regardless. Most people think he died. Simeon, Anna, they were old. They weren't going to live another 30 years to see Jesus come in his ministry and then go to the cross and ultimately be resurrected. Zechariah, Elizabeth, we, we know they were old. They wouldn't even see their own son reach adulthood. All of the main characters in Christmas story would die, except for Mary, before the kingdom would come in power. And Mary would be at the cross, watching her son, whom she loved, who she raised, who she gave everything to, being crucified by the Romans on that cruel cross. And as Jesus, in his last, one of his last words, taking care of his mom, taking care of his beloved mother, saying, John, take her as your own. Mom, take John as your own. And they did. That's a different John, John his apostle, not John the Baptist. What would happen to John the Baptist? John and Jesus were cousins. They were only about six months apart. What would happen to him? Well, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 7 that John is in prison. And in Luke chapter 7, even John starts to doubt. He starts to second guess himself. And he sends his messengers from prison to go find Jesus and say, hey, i got to be confident. Are you the one or are we waiting for someone else? To which Jesus says to the messengers, go back and tell John everything that's happened. The blind can see. The lepers are healed. The lame men can walk again. The poor hear the good news. The dead are rising from the grave. If that doesn't tell you anything, then I don't know what will. Yes, it is. So he gives John that confidence and that reassurance he needs. And then not too long after, John the Baptist would meet his end by being beheaded by King Herod. Only Mary would be there at the cross, along with some of Jesus' other followers and friends. But only Mary remained. But it's a story of faithfulness. All of these people were approved through their faith, but they didn't receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Simeon and Anna saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. And they are rejoicing now because all of us get to experience that very salvation that they told everybody about when they saw baby Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews goes on in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, since we're surrounded by Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna and all the heavenly hosts of God's angels, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Ultimately, the Christmas story means nothing without the resurrection story. Ultimately, Jesus in the manger means nothing without Jesus on the cross. 
And that's the ultimate good news. That is the salvation for the world. That is the hope of nations. That is the restoration and redemption of Israel. That is the light to the Gentiles. That is God's salvation brought down from heaven to us. That is the good news of Christmas. Amen, church. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. As you go, (laughs) as you go about your celebrations this week, hopefully you get to spend time with family, with friends, maybe sometime just chilling and relaxing. Take one of those cards with you. Take one of those green cards. It's got the manger and it's got the cross on it because that's the full story. And reflect on these thoughts. That Simeon was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. Can that be said about you? Can we follow in Simeon's footsteps? Can we follow his example of being righteous, of being devout, of being completely devoted to God and having the Holy Spirit on us, guiding us day in and day out? Can we, like Simeon, proclaim loudly to everyone, my eyes have seen God's salvation? And can we tell others about it? But can we also realize that this child whom we celebrate here at Christmas time, and we sing about peace on earth, and we sing about joy to the world, that this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many. There are some people that aren't going to get it. There are some people that are going to resist it. There are some people out there that are actually going to fight against the story of Jesus. But that's okay. Our job is to be messengers. It's not our job to save anybody. It's our job to tell others. And then finally, in the story of Anna, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Everybody's waiting on something. Everybody needs hope. Everybody needs peace. Everybody needs to hear the good news of God who came down to us in the form of an infant, Jesus, God in the flesh, God among us, God with us, who has shown us his salvation. What are you waiting for today? We're going to stand, we're going to sing one more song, and then we'll be dismissed.